Hello, my name is James Adams. I'm the missions director here at Mitchell Brian Church. Uh, I just want to, this is our first weekend of the kickoff for our missions month. Um, this month, you're going to see missionaries come up and talk about themselves and their ministries, or we're going to have videos for you guys uh, if they weren't able to make it. Um, for instance, like Scott and Monty Langmuir out of Switzerland. Um, we're going to see a video from them, or uh, John and Janice Anderson uh, with Ethnos 360. Uh, you'll see a video from them. Um, if you came in, there was this handout, uh, or if you don't have this, as you're leaving, if you want to grab one of these, this is a list of all of our missionaries, okay? And this month, we are going to try to connect with our missionaries, and what I mean by connect is adopting them by um, either email or Facebook or just prayer. These guys are on the front lines every day. And Satan, like you're going to hear from Art, wants them to stop what they're doing. And what they need is your support, either through prayer or just sending in a nice little word of encouragement now and again. So on the sheet, you're going to see their email address. They all have Facebook accounts if you're on the social media world. Or if you're just like, I don't know these people, I don't know their organizations, right over here we have a QR code. And if you take your cell phone out, with your picture app and you just put on your QR code, it'll bring up the Ethnos 360 or Campus Ventures website and you can learn all about who they are and what their ministry is about. So without further ado, Art, there he is, Art from Camp Rock is going to share with us. So take it away. Good morning. Uh, it is absolutely an honor and a pleasure to be here, even if this is my third time having to talk. Uh, on a Saturday and Sunday. That's not normal for me. But the good news is I like to talk. Uh, that's also bad news for you guys. But here's the thing. I love being able to shout out what God is doing in our ministry at Camp Rock because there are so many things that are happening right now. And, and my wife, Pam, and I, we have officially been at Camp Rock for just over eight years. We're heading into our ninth summer out at Camp Rock. And it has been absolutely incredible to watch what God is doing. Right before we came, the camp was in, in the midst of turmoil and there were things that were happening. And, and first I wanna say, this is one of the churches that continue to support the camp through that. And, and I need you to know how necessary and important that was, okay? When we came to Camp Rock in 2013, we started with 123 kids total that summer. That was it, 123 kids. Right now, today, we are at 96% capacity with 430 registrations right now. It is incredible what God is doing. I don't know what this summer is going to bring. I really don't. And, and, and to be honest with you, you know, I, I'm excited for it. But I, I'm a little nervous, too, because when things like this happen, it's like, okay, God, you have our attention, and, and we're, we're, we're ready, or at least we hope we're ready. And in the midst of all of this getting ready and things like that, life happens. Life gets in the way. That, that doesn't, just because we're a ministry doesn't mean we're exempt from that. And in fact, many times I feel that Satan is pushing even harder to kind of destroy that. Because back in 2013, if the camp stopped existing, people would have been like, oh, that's too bad, but I get it. 
and it would have just gone away. This camp has been operating since 1946. We're in our 75th year of ministry this year, and, and lives have been truly impacted for Jesus Christ. Many lives have been impacted for Christ. And so with that, we're preparing, we're planning, but then we hit bumps in the road. Things like COVID, ever hear of it? We were asked the question by the board members, they they asked me just flat out, Art, do you think we should run or do you think that we need to just postpone the summer and just wait until next year? So I answered it with another question. Does our mission change because of a pandemic? And the answer is no, it does not. So we were gonna push forward in any way that we could push forward, and we were gonna do that. We, we implemented tons of new protocols and all these other things. I mean, truth be told, my wife and I have been huge fans of washing hands for many years before COVID but we installed outdoor sinks. And, and you know what? Hey, kids washing their hands more, that's okay. We implemented, we had more staff that we needed to bring on board. We knew that running would mean we also are gonna be staring down the possibility of having no money. But we got the green light all the way from the governor's office, all the way through uh, Panhandle Public Health and 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 just many other organizations, including Regional West, we had the green light to operate as normal as we possibly could. And that's a God thing. We still saw 295 campers uh, last year, and which, was, which was down from the year before. And, and, and part of me was really disappointed in that. But you know what? When those 295 kids came last year, you know what they got to hear? They got to hear that there is truly a hope in Jesus Christ. All these things that, that have, they've been bombarded with, because think about it, by the time the summer started, they were watching our country up in flames. They are watching everybody being held down and pinned down and quarantined nonstop. They didn't get to finish school. They didn't get to do all of those things. And they came to camp asking the questions, what is the purpose in all of this? And what hope do we absolutely have? There is one hope that we have, and that's through Jesus Christ. It is plain and simple. And here is how we can know why that is true through his word. And we got to see kids come to know Jesus Christ in a real way, in an authentic way. I'm not interested in people just coming to camp and and just having knowledge. Yes, camp is fun. Camp is exciting. It should be. It's summer camp. If you remember going to summer camp, you do crazy weird things at summer camp. It's why I fit in my job well, because the craziness hasn't quite left me yet. Okay. And, but here's the thing. When, when they come, they get to hear the truth. It's not Jesus and this. It's not Jesus and your works. It's not that you can be good enough. It's not that you can do enough great things and give enough money and do all these things. It's literally just Jesus. Kids need to know that and hear that and understand that. 
And God has given us an incredible platform to do that out at Camp Rock. I can share with you story after story about what God is doing. That no money thing, well, guess what? We hit August, we had no money. We had $200. For six weeks, we had $200 in our bank account. And every time a bill came due, we'd get just enough to be able to pay that bill, and we were left with $200. And then through just letters that we had sent out in our normal campaign, we raised more money than what we ever have in that time period. And it was enough to pay all of our bills. It was enough to get us at least through January. At the end of the year, we typically bring in three to $10,000. We've never hit more than 10 and it's never been less than three. It's always just been right between that range at the end of the year in, in just some end of the year gifts. Don't ask for them, they just come in. This year, $40,000 came in. Not one penny asked for. When I tell you and I stand on this stage and say that it is not about what I am doing, not about what my wife is doing, it is about what God is doing at Camp Rock. And we get to celebrate that and, and, and we get to go forward with that. We have a $2.5 million vision. Where's that gonna come from? I don't know. It seems absolutely ludicrous to try to dream of a $2.5 million vision, but we know God is moving us forward and in that direction. And it makes no sense other than through the lens of God. This, this spring alone, we have two new roofs, didn't pay a dime for them. A house got all brand new windows, didn't pay a dime for them. Two cows donated to us so we won't have to spend a single dime on ground beef all summer long. But the real miracle in that was trying to find a butcher who would butcher those cows before the summer. And guess what? May 11th, it's happening. God is working. I'd love to stay and, and continue to talk more, um, but I'd also love to just have coffee with you and, and talk to you over coffee. Call me up. Invite me out. I hear there's a good coffee place in town. Anybody know of it? I'd love to talk more. Thank you so much for your continued prayers. Thank you so much for your continued support. We are not just a supporting body of this church. We are a partner with this church. Our goal and our mission is the same as this church, and that's to go out and reach people for Christ. Thank you. Good morning, Mitchell Buran. And happy Mother's Day, by the way. Happy birthday. Love you. So my name's Chris Kniss, and uh, my wife and I operate Do Southfitters Ministry. And uh, our ministry is focused on the suicide epidemic that's running rampant throughout our military communities and our uh, veteran communities. Uh, as of 2000 and 19, the daily average was 65.8. At the end of the third quarter of 2020, that number had doubled. 130 veterans a day claiming their own lives. And I'm gonna, I wanna do something real quick that I haven't done in a few years. And I'm gonna ask all the veterans in the room to stand up.
and to remain standing. So if you would do that, if there's any veterans in here. So the, the next thing I want to ask is anybody that has a family member that is serving or has served, please stand up. So everybody take a look around the room real quick. And there's maybe 100 people standing. And try to wrap your head around this number of people being removed from our community every day, every single day. And nobody's making a difference. Nobody's trying to stand in the gap. You can go ahead and be seated. So that's where we're at. Um, we've been using hunting as the, the carrot, if you will, to get these individuals out here. And we host them from all over the United States. And we introduce them to who Christ is and what salvation actually looks like. Currently, right now, the numbers are 2.1 American soldiers have seen action in Afghanistan or Iraq. And as of right now, we're just starting to see what the effects are having on those communities. 130 veterans a day are killing themselves. Um... So we know that there's there's got to be a better way to do this than just the hunting trips because we know that there are veterans that are sli slipping through the cracks. They really don't care if they ever see a gun again. We visited with Pastor John, with Pastor Ben, and uh, got their approval on launching an equine therapy program. It's amazing what that connection can do for somebody. Um, there's just some real critical numbers. So with the, with the 2.1 million, can anybody give me an idea or a guess of what the divorce rate is with a veteran or active duty military that's seen three tours in Afghanistan? Just throw me a number. Very close. Ninety-three percent is the is the divorce rate. Which, when you take a veteran or active duty military member that's seen action, and the family is the only thing that they have left, and and that family unit breaks up, that leads to part of the suicide epidemic. In uh, Nebraska. In Colorado and Wyoming, can anybody tell me what the leading cause of death is amongst our teenagers? Anybody? Suicide. One out of every three teenagers that has a parent, active duty or veteran, that has committed suicide is more than likely going to commit suicide themselves. And what I'm, why I'm telling you these numbers is I'm trying to, 
to link piece it all together for you so you can see this circle. It's not just about healing our veterans. It's about healing the family unit. Um, it's about healing the spouses that don't understand what's going on with their husband or wife that has served in a combat zone. It's about helping kids to understand why mom or dad loses it on them if they hear a loud noise, um, how to deal with that loss of a parent. Equine therapy is, is, the, is a very useful tool because um, in order to connect with a horse, you've got to be transparent. You have to drop all your barriers. You have to, if you're angry, let it go. A horse is, an, is a prey animal. It's not a predator animal. So it's looking for connection. It's looking for safety. And if that horse doesn't trust you, you won't make that connection. So it's amazing how once you gain that horse's trust and you turn your back to that horse, that horse will follow you, will connect with you. People will verbalize what they're going through emotionally, mentally, to an animal because there's no judgment and nobody's putting their two cents worth in. And then that healing process can begin. So we have a, on our volunteer staff, we have a realtor that's found, located a property. It's an equine treatment, uh, equine therapy property. It's a huge hurdle to overcome. He thinks we can get it for $650,000. And this would serve as a base of operations for the entire Deuce Outfitters ministry program. It would allow us to host these veterans and active duty military with us and have a closed campus. And if somebody needs to stay with us longer than two or three days, we've absorbed that cost. There's no expenses to that individual whatsoever. Now you ask me, I don't have that kind of money. I understand that, but it's about conversations. It's about you having a conversation with somebody that just might, it might pull on their heartstring and it'll make sense to them. Kids, family, veteran or active duty military. So I just ask that you pray about it, that you visit with people. Let our name be heard and what our mission is. That's the most important thing that we can do. And it's about a conversation just like this. Only two individuals have ever given their life freely for you and for me. One of those is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And the other one's the American soldier. And he does it willingly every single day. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Well, I'm... Um excited to be able to focus a month out of the year on our missionaries and get those folks in front of you and give them a chance to share and for you to feel their heart and their passion. They care about what they do. They care for people that we care about as well. And, they, and, and the point is that it rubs off on us in a little bit and we catch some of that and we're moved uh, to pray for them and support them and also uh, uh, just be behind them. So grab one of those sheets and check out our missionaries and, and uh, adopt one of them. It'll change your life. It'll encourage them, but it'll change your life uh, as well. So, hey, as we start this series on this Mother's Day called The Missional Church, today I think I want to focus on something that ties with Mother's Day, 
And that is, I think, our most, uh, the, the most important part of the mission God's given us. The missional church just recognizes that we have a mission. And we have a mission statement. It's reflective of Matthew 28, verses 18, 19, and 20, where Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so this is the mission that God's given us. And so we're out to accomplish that. We're set out uh, to achieve that. And we recognize it starts first by reaching the next generation, reaching our own kids. And so on this Mother's Day, we acknowledge that our mothers play such a significant role in, uh, in impressing upon us the things that we need in life. You know, my mom uh, taught me some of the most important lessons that I still remember and live out of today. She, uh, she infused into me those things that I needed most to succeed in life. And so I'm so thankful for that because without that, I don't know where I'd be. But, um, but I'm where I'm at in large part because of my mother. And I'm, I'm sure uh, you feel the same way. We all have mothers and they're not perfect, but they invest in us and play such an important role in our lives. And so uh, we want to take obviously this day to honor them. Um, it's interesting as we think about our moms though, and as we're growing up, kind of our view of our mothers changes a little bit. You know, at four years old, we tend to think something like this, my mommy can do anything, right? And then uh, by the time we hit eight, we say, my mom knows a whole lot. And then when we hit about 12, we say, my mother doesn't really know quite everything. <laughs> and then at 14, it sounds more like this, naturally mother doesn't know that either. And then we keep getting to 16 and we say, mother, she's hopelessly old fashioned. And then by 18, it's that old woman, she's way out of date. But then we get to 25 and we say, well, she might know a little bit about it. And then by 35, we're saying, well, before we decide, we should see what mom thinks. And then at 45, we go, I wonder what mom would have thought about it. And then by 65, we're saying, I wish I could talk it over with my mom. So moms, be encouraged doesn't always feel like you're succeeding at your job, but you are making a big difference. Um, most of the years of parenting and raising children, even after they grow up and move away, we don't always know if what we did made a difference. But I'm telling you that it did. It's impossible for it not to. And so be encouraged. Hang in there. You know, uh, uh, the rule in most houses is that mom can't get sick. That's the rule that was the rule in our house. Mom can't get sick because mom's got to nurse everybody else who's sick. And if she gets sick, then we're all in trouble. And so, but moms don't always follow that rule. And every once in a while they get sick anyway. And there was a little girl whose mom was sick and she was trying to help her. She wanted to help her mom feel comfortable. So she was trying to make her comfortable in her bed. And she thought to herself, man, I've seen my mom make tea for my dad when he's sick. And so she went in the kitchen and she started trying to make tea and uh, she got the water boiling and then she was working and mom heard her in there and she came in with a little cup of tea and handed it to her mom and mom was moved by this act of uh, of servanthood and she was just really impressed and she said wow I uh, some tea and so she kind of cautiously you know took a little sip 
wasn't bad. And she said, man, sweetie, I didn't know you could make tea. And she said, oh yeah, I've watched you do it. Mom, I got the tea leaves out and I got the pot out and I started boiling the water and then I put the tea leaves in and boiled them in the water like you always do. And then, and then I took it out or took the pot and I strained it into a cup for you. And she said, by the way, I couldn't find that little strainer that you always use. So I just used the fly swatter. And her mom said, you used the fly swatter. She said, oh, it's okay. It's okay, mom. I didn't want to ruin the, old, uh, the new one, so I used the old one, so it's all right. Isn't that how it goes sometimes, moms? Hey, uh, motherhood is a difficult job, but can I encourage you? It's not just a job. It's a calling. It's a calling from God. It's very spiritual in nature, and it's very profound, and it makes a huge impact on us. And so hang in there, mothers. You're doing a good job. You're making a difference. And uh, I would like to ask you to lead us as a church to accomplish the number one goal of the missional church, the first mission, which is reaching our kids. And so if you want to turn to Matthew 19, if you have your Bible, if you want to follow along, we're going to look at a few verses here in Matthew 19, where Jesus has an encounter with some kids. And I think it's powerful and it speaks to us a lesson about how we should view children and how uh, God, uh, what he thinks of children, because Jesus himself interacted with kids. See, as a missional church, I want us to realize that our number one goal is to reach the next generation, is to reach the kids that we have in our families and in our community. And so um, it begins with this, that the missional church starts off by bringing children to Jesus. The missional church is bringing children to Jesus. Matthew 19, verse 13, this is what it says, this uh, recounting of this, uh, this interaction that Jesus had. It says, one day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands or lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. You can kind of see the story uh, uh, in your mind, right? Here's Jesus, a powerful teacher. Uh, he's been building his ministry over a number of years and he's making a big impact on people. I mean, Jesus, the creator of human beings, why he can touch a person's withered arm or leg and restore it. Um, he can uh, touch a, person, a person's eyes and restore sight to the blind. Uh, the deaf are hearing again because of Jesus. So you can imagine having a powerful spiritual uh, leader like that available. Why people came from all over the place. They wanted to interact with him. They wanted to get some time with him. And besides the fact that he could heal them, he had amazing spiritual insight. He could help them with virtually any problem they had any deep spiritual truth they didn't understand, anything they needed. Jesus had the answer. He had the capacity to help them. And so people came from all over just clamoring over themselves to try to get some time with Jesus so he could help them. Well, in the midst of all this, you have a group of parents that decide they want to get their kids in front of Jesus. And we don't know how many kids it was. There's quite a few people who follow Jesus. I can kind of envision, you know, couple hundred kids and parents, right? And so here's this group coming towards Jesus, right? Coming towards where he's doing ministry. And you, you know what happens when a bunch of kids uh, get together and start uh, coming down the road, right? Things get a little loud and a little chaotic. And so here's all this, this ball of dust and chaos, right? Noise coming at Jesus. And these young disciples who are just teenagers probably don't have any kids yet. You know, they're like, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa what are you people doing? They can't get in here. Jesus is doing important work, man. Get those kids out of here, right? I can just, I can just see it. And, uh, and, and the truth is 
that, uh, that children are kind of noisy, right, and messy. I'm pretty sure that, and I never realized this until I got older, but I'm pretty sure that I made a lot of adults nervous as I was growing up, right? Teachers, Sunday school teachers, Hawana leaders. I didn't really get it, but just thinking back, I think I did. I had a lot of energy, you know, and I was usually doing something, maybe making some weird noise or, you know, causing some offensive smell. I mean, I don't know, but I was doing something, right? To, to, and it wasn't like, Gabe, hey, sit still and be quiet, man. I had a really hard time with that. And so I understand kids that have a hard time with sit still and be quiet. I kind of feel like I connect with them, you know? And so uh, kids are kind of messy and rambunctious. It's kind of the way I think they're supposed to be, to be honest with you. I mean, certainly they need to learn to sit still and be quiet, you know, for a couple minutes at a time. But, but they also need some freedom to be kids. It's been said that a small child is someone who can wash his hands without getting the soap wet. Hey, um, kids are important and they belong uh, in our church. Parents, your number one job, I'm just gonna tell you, your number one job is to get your kids to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. Make sure you get them in front of Jesus. You get them, ar- you get them around Jesus. You get them exposed to the scriptures and the teachings of Jesus. He is the author of life. He loves your kids, and it's your job. I'm gonna tell you, you have a lot of roles as a parent. It's overwhelming. Most days as a parent, you don't feel successful. In fact, most of your life, you may not feel successful at it because it's, it's hard. But the truth is, if you had one thing that was the most important thing that you could do, and there's a lot on your list, I know, but it would be to get your kids in front of Jesus, to make sure they get exposed to him, they get a chance to hear about him because he will change their life. When your kids get connected to Jesus, see, they, they may get hurt by adults. They may have people that don't understand them. They, have, they may have, uh, they're going to have things happen that are hurtful and difficult. Okay, that's going to happen. But when they know Jesus, see, he'll walk with them through each and every one of those things. He brings a comfort and a peace to them. That's why kids believe in Jesus. They know that he's real. They know that it's true because they, they connect on a spiritual level. And so, man, I know things can happen in the lives of parents that can cause that disconnect to where maybe they get hurt or something happened and they just don't, man, I just don't want to go to church. And then, so they don't get their kids to church or, you know, the distractions that can come or even the thought that maybe, ah, is this really a good thing? This whole Christianity thing, you know, I get it. The world's full of a lot of swirling stuff, but can I, can I just reassure you uh, that, that your number one job, get, get your kids to Jesus. It will change their life forever. It will ensure that they make it, that they're successful in life, okay? Now, uh, grandparents, you're, some of you are, are here too, and I wanna encourage you, sometimes you need to step in and help with that. There's times that parents get overwhelmed or things happen and they're just, they're not able to do it or they're not doing it. Man, maybe you can be a support in that to help get these kids to Jesus. But of all the things we do as a church, of all the things we, need, we do as a church, we need to make sure that we're getting our kids to Jesus. We're getting them in front of him. Um, you know that you might get a sideways glance occasionally by somebody. <laughs> might look at you funny, right? Would you get those kids under control? You know, that happens. Hey, don't let that slow you down or stop you. It's all right. The disciples were well-meaning young men, right? But, but we're going to see they got it all wrong. And so um, they didn't have it all together. Their understanding of children wasn't, wasn't accurate because the truth is 
that, um, that these parents were doing the right thing in bringing their kids to Jesus. And, and if we get our kids in front of Jesus, then the next step uh, is, is that our church reaches the next generation by teaching them about Jesus. We get our kids in front of Jesus and then we need to teach them about Jesus. In Matthew 19, as we continue in this little interaction, uh, the parents are bringing their kids, the disciples say, get them out of here, but hold on. Verse 14 says this, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Jesus said, no, 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 let them come in. I want some time with them. I want to be around them, right? As a church, we get our kids in front of Jesus and then we make sure they get a chance to learn about him. We have programs in our church that are designed to teach our kids. We, uh, Amy Reuter, who was up here a minute ago, she's brought back Sunday school. Okay, listen, it's good to call it Sunday school because there's a learning process. There's an education process. You wouldn't want your kids to miss school very long. And even if they struggle with a particular class, right? You'd say, come on now, we need to press through this. We need to get it. It's important for you. You wouldn't let your kids uh, miss a practice or miss something else they're committed to. Listen, don't let your kids miss Sunday school, right? Children's church, Awana, whatever it is that you invest in, man, they need that. They need that to grow and to learn. I have, uh, as a kid, I went to Awana and I memorized uh, just a ton of verses. And I can tell you as I grew older, I've had to memorize some verses. As an adult, when I was in college, I took a class in Bible school called the book of Hebrews. And the professor made us memorize Hebrews chapter 11 for the final exam. It's kind of a long uh, bit of scripture. And so I really struggled to memorize that, but I was married at the time and my lovely wife set up with me to about three in the morning, worked on it. And I want you to know, I went and took that test the next morning and I aced it. I didn't get very many hundred percents on tests, but I got that one. So, hey, I can memorize scripture. But the problem is if I were to try to recount that to you now, I would struggle because I can't remember all of it. But the verses I learned in Awana as a little kid, see, I can remember those. And so it's so important that we get our kids in places where they can learn about Jesus. They can be taught the scriptures. So take advantage of the programs we have, the opportunities we have as a church. We're doing that to invest in your kids so they can get in front of Jesus, right? Get around him and then they can learn about him. And if we do those things, as parents, if you commit to that, as a church, we commit to that, then we will accomplish the real goal, the real mission that we have. And that is this, that our church reaches the next generation by helping them follow Jesus. As I said during our child dedication, our goal is to ensure that our children make that decision to trust in Christ. And uh, I've not seen a children's ministry aimed at kids that didn't see them all trust Christ because they do. Matthew 19 verse 15 says this, and he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. Jesus knew that these children were important. He cared about them. I'm going to tell you that as a ministry person, I've worked in the church and in ministry uh, for many years, for a large part of my life. I grew up in, uh, where my parents were working in the church. And I've been guilty of being kind of a, a workaholic when it comes to ministry. I worked at planting some churches and different things, and it consumed my life, and I poured a lot of energy into it. Probably sometimes uh, shorted my family when I shouldn't have, okay? Confession time, that's just honest. But the truth is, as I think back, on raising my children and, and those years uh, with our family that I never, I never fought for anyone or anything as hard as I fought for my kids' hearts, that they would know God, 
You know, I mean, I spent uh, <clears throat> effort and energy behind that, right? I care about it. I can't help it. And I'm sure you feel the same way. And the truth is that all of us that are part of this church have the opportunity as we interact with the children that come here, we have the opportunity to bless them, to be a blessing to them. All of us do. That's really required is that we bless them. It's been said that children are like wet cement. Whatever falls on them makes an impression. And so the truth is you have an opportunity to impress the kids that come to this church and your impression on them is either going to draw them to God or push them away. And that's just the truth of it. And so we need to be mindful and careful about how we interact with the kids in this church and the kids in this community that we're really pulling them in and drawing them to God, that we're blessing them with the things that we do and say. As adults, we can get caught up in the difficulties of life and the pressures and the conflicts, right? But our kids are watching us. They watch how we handle things. And so let's make sure that we're doing things in a way that set a good example for them, that pull them in to wanting to be a part of what God's doing, not pushing them away from it. God, thank you for the blessing and the calling that you've given us. You want us uh, to be a church on mission. And Father, we just know that selfishly, we love the world and we love everybody uh, in our community. But Father, we want to we reach our kids. I want to see us reach our kids. And so, Father, I just pray that you would bless this church as being a church that has and does love children. Father, would you just continue to enable us to help these parents, to help each person that brings their children here to ensure that they get that chance to trust you and to know you and to walk with you. God, help us with this task and this mission. We know that there's an enemy that's against us and he is trying to get our kids' hearts and minds and pull them away from you. But God, I pray that you would help us by the power of your spirit to gain the victory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go. If you want to do a video with kids, you need to bribe them with candy. That's the most important thing. This is try number 500. Hello, Mitchell Berean Church. It's super nice to send a little update. I hope you can enjoy a little bit of our nice view. Uh, the spring days are coming and we're very, very happy as a family. Yeah, we're doing really well. We wish that we could be there with you in person. Tried to do all that we could, but with quarantine rules, it's almost impossible to come back for two weeks. We'd have to do two weeks quarantine when we get to the U.S. and then quarantine when we uh, return. And it really isn't possible at this time. Uh, but in the moment, rules in, in Europe are a lot more strict than in the U.S. We still can't have students on our campus here, which make th makes things a little bit more difficult for us financially in all aspects. But we continue to experience God and just his blessing as we continue to try to do things as creatively as we can. But we're doing well as a family. As you can see, the girls are growing. Emily's loving kindergarten. Right, Embers? Yeah. Yeah. And Lucy, do you like life as well? Can you say hi to everybody? Hello. And Sophie, are you getting potty trained? Look there. Say hi. Everybody's growing up. And we have a lot to be thankful for, even in the midst of a lot of uncertainty. So thank you so much for your prayers, for your faithful support. We love you, and we hope to see you soon. Bye. 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 Greetings to the folks there at Mitchell Berean Church in Mitchell, Nebraska. We are John and Janice Anderson. 
And we are missionaries with Ethnos 360, or as many of you might remember, used to be called New Tribes Mission. Our ministry with Ethnos 360 is we actually work in the member care department. And probably the best way to explain that ministry is we try to provide pastoral care and encouragement to our fellow team members with Ethnos 360 that actually work in the tribal indigenous locations of the world. They, they have a ministry that can be quite stressful, uh, a lot of hard work, and we try to keep in touch with them, try to be, as I already mentioned, encouragement, try to meet them where they're at, try to be a help so that they're just more rested, more uh, abiding in Christ to continue on in their ministry. So how do we do that? What are we hoping for, really? Uh, our desire is just to be good listeners, good listeners to them and good listeners to the Lord himself for, you know, who should we be contacting? Should it be a email? Should it be a call? Should we try to visit them? So our prayer, our main prayer request is we just need wisdom and also quite a bit of compassion. It's just as we endeavor to reach out to these people to try to be a help to them. It's quite, a, at times it can be quite a scheduling thing as they're um, back in the States for home assignment or say they're overseas, we're going to try to connect with them through a video call or whatever uh, avenue we can use to reach out to be a blessing and encouragement to them. And then too, just for us, because they, they cover, they can be in several different places in the United States and several different places of the world, you know, work, sometimes we're working with different time, time zones on that. And then too, just the wisdom for us too is we're also parents and grandparents and have local church involvement. So wisdom and compassion as we reach out to these people. Another aspect would be just for our own spiritual health. Uh, we need we need to be healthy ourselves. Um, sometimes we're hearing some pretty, pretty sad stories. And we just wanted to end by thanking you folks uh, for your many years of supporting us so generously. We uh, so appreciate that and uh, really want you to know we believe we're a team. We're thankful that you that we get to do this together. Thank you very much.